0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for NFL Week 7, and this looks like it's going to be a little bit of a tougher slate than some of the other ones we have. There's not really a lot of value here, and uh, just a lot of shitty teams playing other shitty teams. So I think that there's maybe a couple decent spots, but this will probably be a lower volume week for me on the whole, uh, unless something like crazy changes where somebody gets ruled out of practice last minute and some great value opens up, because right now I think it's going to look like are going to have to build a lot of balanced lineups. So first game on the slate is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Matt, what is the biggest information for this game?
1: The Steelers opened this game at minus six, and it's been bet down to five and a half, and even looks like minus five, too. I guess the Steelers were really undervalued going into last week. Now it looks like they may be overvalued after winning at the undefeated Chiefs. The total for the game is 41, so does look like a pretty low-scoring classic AFC North divisional game where there's not really a lot to like offensively. But Antonio Brown, I think, might be good enough where you can use him in any matchup. And I wouldn't say it's a great spot for him, but it's just I don't know. He's always usable. We saw the ridiculous play he made last week, and it might be true that he's the only player I think is the only player I think makes any sense from either of these teams.
0: Yeah, um, I think this game is probably just going to be a fade for me. So, But football outsiders, Cincinnati, uh, third-ranked defense by DVOA, seventh against the pass, seventh against the run. Pittsburgh is the fourth-ranked defense, fourth against the pass, 12th against the run. And the other issue, too, is, like I said before, where there just isn't a lot of value on the slate. So the issue is, like, I I think normally I'd say, like, oh, yeah, of course. It's like it makes sense to use Bell and Brown, but with there being so little value and just how good – both of these defenses are and that it's probably going to be a low scoring kind of slug them out type game. I think it's just going to be hard to fit those guys into the lineup. And I don't think it's a good enough spot where I want to try to force them in.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I'd probably be looking to Brown and Bell if it was a spot like last week where you had some cheap running backs and then you could afford to pay up at other positions. In this week, we don't really have that. So yeah, it probably is just a complete stay away.
0: So the next game on the slate uh, has the Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. I would assume that Adrian Peterson ends up being somewhat popular in this game after his game last week and the idea that the Rams have a very bad run defense. So what is the over-under and is there any sharp action on this game, Matt?
1: It does look like the public likes the Cardinals quite a bit. so The Rams are three-point favorites, but the Cardinals are getting 65% of the spread bets right now, 83% of the money line bets. There's no real sharp action yet, but I think we could see some of the Rams because the public loves Arizona, and they might be a little overvalued here, especially on offense after their monster week, but the Rams' defense is good. The run defense only ranks 22nd in DVOA, but Aaron Donald was limited earlier in the season, so I guess this is a defense that we should expect to continue to improve, and the game against the Jaguars was a bit of a mirage where they gave up a decent amount of points, but it came on a long Leonard Night touchdown run, which is a bit of a fluky play. And then I think there was a defensive touchdown in there too. So the Rams' defense probably is above average, even though it's being perceived as a below-average defense.
0: Yeah, they're they're ninth in DVOA this year, 6th against the pass, 22nd against the run. Uh, so I, I'm going to back off a little bit of saying that I think that they're going to have like a good run defense the rest of the year. But I do think that it should be at least around average pro football focus. Still does have Aaron Donald ranked as the best run stopper in the league this year, and he's only played full snaps in about half the game so far. So they're probably closer to a league average run defense. But with that said, like that Adrian Peterson game last week was so ridiculous, and he did look good in the game, but I'm not really buying into it. Like, he's been he's not looked good for a really long time. So, one good game, but I'm not ready to say that oh, Adrian Peterson is back now, he's priced up to what was it 5600 and the other issue with with Peterson at that kind of price is he doesn't catch balls he doesn't he's not involved in the passing game so he's really dependent on just a lot uh, of 50 he's actually 5800 so he's really dependent on running for a lot of yards and scoring touchdowns which was fine when he was ridiculous and was one of the best running backs in the NFL and was consistently going over 100 yards and scoring lots of touchdowns I just don't think that's going to be the case anymore. And I think this is going to be another low-scoring game and another one that this is probably just a fade for me. Uh, the Cardinals also have a good defense. I don't have a lot of interest in Gurley. He's also really expensive. So on to the next one.
1: All right, yeah, and just uh, on Peterson from last week too, he was facing a Tampa defense that is 30th in Dave and 31st in DVOA. So a bad defense, probably just benefited from an easy matchup there. I'm I'm off Peterson too, so we can move on to the next game.
0: So the next game on the slate is the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. Are there any high-scoring games on the slate this week? Because I this also I would expect to be a pretty uh, low-scoring game. And the other thing also is Leonard Fournette did not practice today. So I think that his status is a little bit in doubt for this weekend.
1: Yeah, it definitely looks like another bad game. We talked a little bit before the podcast that we potentially like the Jaguars' defense. Fournette is definitely something to monitor because we, I guess, could be looking at some running back value from the Jacksonville backfield if we get a cheaper starter. Do you think Fournette's supposed to play at this point, or is it really just unknown?
0: I think he's questionable, but he's kind of more expected to play than not play, but he didn't practice today. He hasn't practiced yet this week, so it's a little hard to say. I would, if you if you asked me, is he going to play or not going to play, I would say more likely to play than not play. But, but it could still go either way. If he doesn't play, then it's going to be Chris Ivory taking over running back, and he actually would be a pretty good value play because Ivory is priced at 4800 So against a weak uh, Indianapolis Colts defense, that would be a really good spot for him. Uh, other than that, not a lot, a lot of interest in Blake Bortles or the Jaguars uh, passing him. I've actually seen some rumors on Twitter that Bortles might not even play this week. They might start Chad Henney. So, I mean... That in itself is, I think, pretty good reason to not want to use him. The idea that they're considering using uh, Chad Henny at quarterback. So that's pretty, pretty good indication that Blake Bortles is not a good DFS play on the whole. And then the side of the game, just this Jaguars defense is solid. Uh, it's We've talked about before, it's re- they're really good against the pass. They're really bad against the run. But still, Frank Gore and – so it's Gore and Mac expected to split carries. And then another thing also is just the Jaguars run defense as good as they are against the pass. They should be at least marginally better than being the second worst run defense in the league. So just the idea that they could stack the box. They don't have to worry about the Colts uh, passing game too much. I'm off the Colts offense also.
1: Yeah, my commentary, actually, I'm going to circle back to the game that we talked about before this, because I had thought about a decent value play GPP flyer before we started. And then I forgot to bring him up. So, going back to the Rams offense, Sammy Watkins is all the way down to 4400 on DraftKings. Do you have any interest there? Because I know Patrick Peterson is dealing with a leg injury, and Watkins was priced in the 6,000s at the start of the year, but he's been awful this year. So, it seems like a spot where you well, could well, definitely get him at low is ownership.
0: Not only has Watkins been bad this year, but he's not very involved in the offense. Like, the, they just don't throw the ball to him.
1: Right, but I guess he's talented enough where on any given week, he could end up seeing a lot of targets. And if Peterson guards, um, let's say Robert Woods, because he's been more like the number one receiver this year, Watkins could get a potentially easier matchup against a pretty weak Cardinals secondary outside of Patrick Peterson. I guess. I mean, I
0: think that some of that logic makes sense. I still assume that Peterson guards Watkins all game, though.
1: Yeah, well, and, if that's the uh, case, I, it makes Watkins a tough play for, for sure. But I definitely won't call him safe. I think he's someone, if we if we get some indication before the game that Peterson won't be guarding him, then I, I will consider him as a GPP flyer. But that uh, that's not that promising of a situation.
0: The next game, I actually think that there are some good targets for this, and that is the Tennessee Titans at the Cleveland Browns. So what is the uh, uh, spread and what is the game total for this one?
1: The spread is minus five for the Titans. Actually, it's gone up to minus six. And I guess it's because the Browns have just been awful lately. The public really likes the Titans. And the total in the game is at 46 and a half. And the public actually isn't leaning towards the over. The over and under betting is pretty much split, but the higher dollars, as Sports Insights is reporting it, are on the over. So 54% of the total bet tickets are on the over, but 85% of the bet dollars being placed on the over or under are on the over. So it does look like there's a little bit of a sharp indicator on the over in this game, and maybe Deshaun Kaiser is a decent play, but I think that the side you're focusing on is the Titans side, right? Right. Yeah,
0: Marcus Mariota at 6900 so he is a little bit pricey. But I still think it's fine because the wide receivers are so cheap. Matthews is his top receiver. He's at 5500 and he's been really, really solid this season. That's just way too cheap for him, especially in this matchup. Delaney Walker at 5800 is a really good tight end play. So, I mean, Mariota with one of those guys or even both of them a double stack, I think that's a really reasonable combination for not a lot of salary. And then at the running back position... DeMarco Murray is questionable. If he can't play, Derrick Henry is at 5,500. Still, I, I, I lean much more towards the passing game because the Browns have been decent against the run this year and then just really bad against the pass. So I think that Mariota, uh, Matthews, maybe even some Decker because Decker got more involved in the offense last week. Decker finished with seven catches for 88 yards. He had nine targets, which was the most he's had all year. So maybe he makes some sense as a cheaper receiver. Like, I just think this is a really good spot for the Titans passing game.
1: Yeah, this game does look like a pretty good opportunity also for full game stacks, because like you mentioned, the Browns are a lot worse against the pass. They're actually 32nd in pass DVOA and they're third in run DVOA. So they're a lot, the Browns are a lot more beatable through the air, but the Titans also are weaker against the pass than they are against the run. And the Browns figure to be trailing in this game. So we should expect a lot of garbage time or just a lot of throwing from the Browns side. The issue is just who do you use from the Browns offense? So I guess maybe one strategy is use a couple Tennessee receivers with Deshaun Kaiser and then just hope you get throwing on both sides. But if you're using Mariota and one or two Titans receivers, is there any particular guy in the Browns passing game that you would look to?
0: No, not at all. I don't like any of them. And it's like... They've played such different guys from week to week. Uh, it's it, I just think it's too hard to figure out who the guy would be.
1: Right. So I'll say I'm high on the Browns' passing game, but I'm low on every individual player in their passing game.
0: Yeah, I guess if you, I, I guess if you really had to pick somebody, would be Duke Johnson, just because the way that the Browns have utilized him this year is that he doesn't play much regularly as a regular part of the offense. But he becomes a garbage time player for them where a lot of their garbage time offense is dumping the ball off to Duke Johnson. So for that reason, I I think that if you're using the Titans passing game, you're assuming the Titans score a lot of points. And then you would assume that they get out to a decent lead and then they go to Duke Johnson on some dump off passes. So maybe, maybe that's the play. Do you, think that that, do you think that that would make sense? Yeah, definitely.
1: I think Duke Johnson's uh, worth some consideration. And then I think maybe Isaiah Crowell, he's cheaper than Johnson by a pretty good amount. So you could, I guess, target the running backs. But I do think it also makes sense to use Kaiser and use him in the same lineups as some Titans receivers.
0: Uh, so I, I just I can't get behind any of the Browns quarterbacks right now just because both him and Hogan have been so bad. They've made changes mid game on the quarterback. Yeah, maybe it makes
1: sense to start Hogan even though Kaiser's the starting quarterback and then play Kaiser when Hogan's the starter, because I think they've changed quarterbacks three weeks in a row at halftime. Um, and that's complete yeah, sarcasm. Do that don't either. don't do that. Don't for for anyone who thought that was serious, please don't do that. Uh, so the next game on the
0: slate is the Saints at Packers. Obviously big news from this Aaron Rodgers broken collarbone and is probably out for the entire season. So that ends Green Bay's year. So with that said, what is the uh, spread and the over-under at?
1: I thought that the Saints would be pretty overvalued here after their strong showing against the Lions, and then the Packers would be undervalued after playing the Vikings. But I think that this line actually looks pretty fair. The Packers are a pretty abysmal offense without Rodgers. So the Saints are five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. The total has dropped from 48 to 47 and a half. But the betting is pretty split on both accounts, so I don't really think that we're looking at any betting line value, and it probably just is fair to say the Saints should not blow the Packers out, but they should have pretty decent control of this game, and I think maybe we're not looking at using a ton of the Saints offense, but definitely a fade on the Packers offense. I just don't think that any of their players, especially a receiver who were priced to be playing with Rodgers, are usable with Hunley a quarterback.
0: Yeah, I'm totally off the Packers' offense. I actually, I think the Saints' defense, they're fairly cheap at only 3000 I think that they're a decent play. Their defense, obviously, they had a huge game last week. And overall, on the year, I've just kind of expected them to be bad, and they just haven't really. It's the 15th-ranked defense by DVOA, 11th against the pass, 24th against the run. So it's it's an okay defense. I think they're in a good position to create some turnovers and maybe score another defensive touchdown with Hundley making his first career start. So I think it's a good spot for them. And then if you're going to use the Saints defense, once again, I think Mark Ingram makes some sense. He's priced a lot more expensive, as is Kamara. But with that said, I still think that there's some upside in Ingram at $6,700. Uh, he's been really involved in the offense. Then still with Kamara and in, the, in the 5000 range, 5600 because he's still going to catch a lot of passes, and I, I think he's going to be a big part of the offense. He was really efficient last week. He finished with, um, what was it? I think it was uh, 10 carries for 75 yards, so 7.5 yards per, per carry. He only had three catches for 12 yards, but two weeks ago he did have 10 catches for 71 yards. So I think he will be a little bit more involved in the passing game going forward. So once again, I think that the both of the Saints running backs make some sense, and I think the Saints defense is a good play.
1: Yeah, I think Kamara is probably my preferred choice over Ingram because Ingram figures to have a ton more ownership after his huge game last week. And Kamara did play pretty well, like you said. And Ingram just happened to have all the touchdowns. And Kamara actually was in for a few red zone possessions. He got stopped at the two-yard line in one play. And then uh, Michael Huma, whatever you say his last name, he ended up scoring for the two-yard line. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that guy's name, even though he's been in the league probably 10 years. Uh, But Kamara was in the game by the goal line, which is good for his predictive value going forward. And I don't think it's necessarily true that Ingram will end up with all the touches just because the Saints figure to be winning. I think they'll mix in both guys probably pretty evenly like they did last week. And if the touchdown script kind of flips in Kamara's favor, you could be looking at pretty good upside at much lower ownership. So if I'm using a running back from either side, I think it's Kamara because he's cheaper and I think a lot less people will have him.
0: So, Yeah. I definitely think that makes a lot of sense um I still think Kamara uh, uh, strong play and then it, yeah, I agree with you he should be much lower owned so the, the next game on the slate is the Ravens at the Vikings uh this is going to be another game that's just kind of messy from a DFS perspective because these are pretty two pretty solid defenses so uh what is the over under for this game Matt and what is the spread and are, are just like all the games like under 40 this week
1: there is yeah there are very few games with high totals. There's a lot in the low 40s. This one opened at 39 and a half. It's actually been bet up, I think to 40. There does seem to be a bit of sharp action on the over and it could be just that these teams are turnover prone enough that you could be looking at short fields on a lot of a lot of possessions
0: and that it was just a really low total.
1: Yeah, that, that too. Yeah, I won't say that this figures to be a high-scoring game just because there's sharp money on the over. Just It opened at a very low number, and it maybe was a bit too low. Uh, I have no interest in this game from rostering any of the skill players, but I think it's a really good spot for the Vikings' defense. So just to get back to the Vegas information, the Vikings opened at minus 4.5. They're now up to minus 5.5, and, and the total went up a little bit. Like I said, a little bit of sharp action on the over, but... The Ravens just have been awful offensively, and I think it's a good spot to take advantage of it. It's a road game, and the Vikings' defense has been not great against the pass, but they've been really good against the run, and overall, they're 11th in DVOA and 11th in Dave, so an above-average defense at home against a really bad Ravens' offense, I think it's a pretty good spot for them, and I'm probably not looking anywhere else in that game. Yeah,
0: I'm sure some people want to use McKinnon after his huge game last week. He was also pretty chalky, so... A lot of people look at McKinnon and see that he's priced in the 6000 range. They used him last week, and he won them a lot of money. They're going to click that button again. But the Ravens, fifth in DVA this year, second against the pass, 16 against the run. And just Case Keenum, I I don't think he's a particularly good quarterback. And obviously that doesn't have as much impact on McKinnon as it does on the passing game. But it still has some impact because I think they're just going to be able to stop the box against McKinnon. And then also if they're not able to move the ball through the air and there aren't as many scoring opportunities for McKinnon. So I'll be off him this week after being high on him last week. And this is just another fairly uninteresting game. And moving from one uninteresting game to another uninteresting game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Buffalo Bills, Uh, at least these are two teams that are not quite as shitty as the other teams on the slate. So that's something, but not a game I'd want to watch on TV anyway. So what is the spread and over-under for this game, Matt?
1: Uh, We actually don't have a Vegas line for this game yet because we don't know who will be starting a quarterback for Tampa. They haven't named, I guess, Jameis Winston is questionable or just undecided. Ryan Fitzpatrick may start. So no Vegas information here, but it does look like an advantage towards Buffalo either way.
0: Yeah, so with Tampa Bay, uh, Jameis Winston, shoulder injury, sprained AC joint last week. Uh, He came out pretty early in the game, and Ryan Fitzpatrick finished it. He's questionable right now. So we don't really know, obviously, if he's playing at this point in time. The one play that I think makes sense in this game is Tyrod Taylor, only a 5,100. I think you said earlier about how the Cardinals offense had a really good game against the Bucks' defense last week. Uh, Tyrod Taylor's a quarterback who runs a lot. He's cheap. And you could play him without any of his wide receivers. So I think uh, Tyrod Taylor, 5,100, makes sense as a naked quarterback play. And then, I mean, once again, just not really a lot of interest in anywhere else here that's yeah. uh, the the Bills have a really good defense so it's hard to use the Buccaneers offense actually one thing i'll look up is the Bills' defense at thirty four hundred? If Jim is Winston isn't playing, if we have Fitzpatrick as a starting quarterback, I think the Bills' defense makes a lot of sense at 3,400.
1: Do you have interest in rostering Lashawn McCoy with the Bills' defense for the correlation? And I guess I also think Jarek McKinnon could be worth rostering with the Vikings' defense. But are those are those spots that you have interest in going for the correlation play?
0: No, not re- the issue is just still that uh, I-, I prefer. Um, I prefer Tyrod Taylor to LaShawn McCoy if I had to run after one of them. I do think it makes some sense because McCoy's down to 7,400. That's really cheap for him, and it's a bad Buccaneers defense. So, yeah, I'll say, uh, yeah, as I think about more, I think McCoy makes sense with the Buffalo defense, and then Tyrod Taylor makes some sense just to save money at quarterback. And then no interest in the Tampa Bay offense, obviously, if
1: I like the Bills defense. So we've reached, I think, probably your favorite part of podcasting is uh, I'm going to go look for my computer charger now. So you get to sit here by yourself. Are you you excited for this? We'll we'll definitely leave it in like last time.
0: Yeah, sure. I wouldn't say I'm excited for it. I'm I'm pretty indifferent about it, but go find your computer charger. I'll uh, I'll maybe do some play-by-play of the Cubs-Dodgers game, which is on in the background. So Cubs-Dodgers game, it's 3-1 3-1 in the sixth inning, Jake is pitching. And I know that people were tired of me talking about baseball. Uh, and I did notice our podcast numbers did go up as soon as baseball ended. So much better numbers for football and for basketball. So people seem to give a lot more shits about that sport than anything. Uh, Jake Arrieta, this is probably the best that has pitched all year. He has a decent amount of strikeouts. And he's facing Dodgers, who have a really good offense. And the wind is blowing out like crazy at Wrigley Field, so I thought this would be a pretty high-scoring game, and that has not happened, although in a 3-1 game, it's four home runs in the sixth inning, so the ball is traveling, just, I guess, bad sequencing or whatever. I'm also not really paying attention to the game a whole lot, it's just on the background as I'm talking to Matt, or really just kind of talking to myself, because he's not here.
1: Well, at this point, it's just, it's you talking to yourself, and I've been been listening for about 10 or 15 seconds, it's been fun play-by-play.
0: No, it wasn't even really play-by-play. Andre Ethier struck out, so I guess that counts as play-by-play.
1: Good reporting of um, the facts.
0: So, is your computer all plugged in now?
1: We are good to go. Let's move on to the next NFL game.
0: Okay, so it's Jets at Dolphins. Uh, another just really exciting game. Although, this game actually somehow has playoff implications, <laughs> which I never would have thought before. But, that is the case. This is, there are some playoff implications. Although, I really don't think the Jets are going to win a lot of games the rest of the season, so... Uh, Who's favored in this game, Matt?
1: The Dolphins are minus three, trending towards three and a half. I'm surprised it's not more. The Jets are getting a lot of public respect, but maybe they are actually better than people thought. They definitely are a bad team, but maybe they're not the worst team in the NFL. Maybe they're just a bottom five shitty team that isn't quite that bad. The bigger story in the game, though, rather than which team wins, is how many points will be scored, because this game has the lowest total of the week, and it actually does look like there's some sharp money on the under, it opened 38-and-a-half. It's down to 38. This figures to be a very low-scoring game, a very defensive game. So I can't imagine there's a lot to like here from a DFS perspective.
0: Um, the Dolphins' defense with Jay Ajayi, I think, makes a little bit of sense. Jay Ajayi's 6,200. The Jets' defense is 23rd in DVOA this year, 21st against the pass, 25th against the run. Devontae Parker, I haven't seen an update on him. Uh, but if he isn't able to play, uh, Jarvis Landry, up to 6,800, I think he would make a little bit of sense, but not really. Uh, I'd I much prefer the Dolphins' run defense with Jay Ajayi for a little bit of correlation there. Uh, but still not really a ton of interest in this game because it figures to be low scoring without a ton of possessions. Um, how do you Feel about Jay Ajayi, Matt are you willing to go back to that one because you did like him a little bit last weekend and he did have a pretty big game against the Falcons
1: yeah I do think he makes a good amount of sense actually as the correlation play with the Dolphins defense I think compared to the other correlation plays that I just mentioned McKinnon with Vikings and McCoy with Bills I do actually think Ajay with the Bills I mean Ajay with the Dolphins is a better pick so I probably will go there a little bit I that's a pretty good spot and the Dolphins while the spread's only three I think it's a home game against the Jets. They could definitely end up with a blowout win, so it could mean a lot of extra carries for Ajayi, and that would obviously also mean a, probably a good game for the Dolphins' defense. So that that pick makes some sense. It's not my favorite spot, but I think it's a pretty good one.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's it's always an ugly week when I'm kind of going through all the games, and I realize that my favorite play from most of the games is a defense. <laughs> that's that's probably uh, not the recipe for for a lot of points. Yeah, you scoring. got to Actually, roster
1: a defensive flex this week. Is that something they let you do on DraftKings?
0: Can I roster him at wide receiver, Ross? <laughs> uh, I think, I, I think that there's a pretty good chance this is going to be the lowest scoring week of the year so far. The next game on the slate is the Carolina Panthers at the Chicago Bears. Uh, some injury information from this game is that Calvin Benjamin is banged up again, and he is currently questionable to play on Sunday. So, with that said, what is the over/under in the spread, Matt?
1: The line movement does reflect the Benjamin injury, and I think it probably would have had some sharp action anyway. So the public really likes the Panthers. 75% of the spread bets, 71% of the money line bets, and the line has moved from minus four for Carolina down to three and a half. The total has dropped from 41 to 40 and a half, with most people taking the over. So it's a downgrade to the Panthers' offense. I'm sure it has a lot to do with Benjamin being potentially out of the game, but at least not at full strength. So the indicators here are definitely strong enough that I have zero interest in Cam Newton, and it's probably not a usable game on either side because it does figure to be a pretty low-scoring game like a bunch of the other ones this week.
0: Yeah, this game is just a fade for me. I don't even really like the defenses a whole lot in this game, so we just move on to the next one. And this game is pretty interesting, the Dallas Cowboys, the San Francisco 49ers. It figured like there was going to be some value on the Cowboys because Ezekiel Elliott was expected to not play he got suspended and then the suspension still holds but doesn't go into effect for a few weeks because the judge was on vacation that's my <laughs> understanding of the story uh it's it's whatever i don't really get it but it is what it is so the other issue is that the assumption that was that um was that elliot wasn't gonna play so dak prescott and des bryant got way priced up assuming the cowboys were gonna run on the ball more so now we just have Elliott back in play and just everybody's really expensive. So the 49ers defense sucks, but I it's really hard to roster the Cowboys this week. So what, what is uh, is there any sharp action here, Matt?
1: Yeah, it looks like the sharp action is on the under. So even more reason not to roster the Cowboys. The line is minus six in favor of Dallas. No real movement there. No real sharp money there. But the total has dropped from 47 to 46 and a half. And it does look like some big dollar bets are on the under. It's a bad indicator for offense and I probably wouldn't have rostered any 49ers players anyway. So with Dallas being priced up, like you said, a quarterback and receiver and Elliot kind of just being overrated in general, I think this is a game that even though there probably could be a decent amount of scoring, it's a much higher total than some of these other games we've mentioned. I think the prices are a little out of control and it's probably just a stay away game also.
0: Yeah, not, not a lot of interest in this game for me personally. Uh, I mean, it, it is a good spot for the Cowboys offense just against a, Bad 49ers defense, but I just think they're too expensive, especially with Elliott back in the mix. Uh, I mean, Prescott's one of the most expensive quarterbacks. Bryant's one of the most expensive wide receivers. Elliott is also 9,000. So it's, it's just going to be hard to fit them in. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. And then just the 49ers offense is bad. Uh, obviously, uh, Beathard is starting a quarterback. That's a bad situation. And then we've got Carlos Hyde. His work's been a lot limited in, in the recent weeks and Brita's been getting more snaps so Just a mess. I think that this is a good game to avoid. And the next game on the slate, the uh, rejuvenated New York Giants who my dad now thinks is going to make the playoffs Mm -hmm. playing at home against the Seattle Seahawks. So Matt, what is the Vegas info for this game?
1: This game actually might have the most sharp action of any game uh, maybe the Giants will be okay going forward. At least the wise guys in Vegas think that they might be undervalued. So the Giants opened a seven point underdogs at home. The line is now down to five and a half and that's with 53% of the spread bets on Seattle. And a lot of the big money bets are on the Giants. Although that could be just because Giants fans bet a lot. There are just a lot of people in New York. So the Giants get a little bit of higher dollars sometimes. It's a little hard to say if this is entirely sharp money or it's a combination of sharp and public money, but the line has moved a lot, so that's a good indicator for the Giants. The total has gone up from 39 to 40, though, so at only 40, there's not really a lot to like offensively. So again, this sharp indicator might just be fade Seattle's offense. I don't really know if this game is a high enough total to make any team usable just from a we like this side of the game because it's a good spot standpoint, but I guess maybe there are some undervalued Giants receivers just because they're now way down on the depth chart. Yeah,
0: I think, um, uh, it's still hard. Like I still think it's a bad Giants offense and a good Seattle defense. So, uh, let's see what some of the pricing is for the Giants receivers. Like I think Evan Ingram makes some sense as a tight end play. The other thing also is since Gronk isn't on the main slate, so we can't roster him. So it does make tight end a little bit more difficult. Uh, yeah, Evan Ingram at forty four hundred. I think he makes sense because he's going to get volume. Uh, uh, what's Roger Lewis at thirty? It's. I, I think Evan Ingram will probably be the Giants' go to receiver. He's probably the only guy who had roster from the Giants' side of the game. Uh, uh, Orleans Darkwood got a lot of the carries at running back last week. In general, I like Gallman, but it's just it's hard to. It doesn't matter if I like a player if the coach isn't going to play him. So Gallman's only at 3,900. If he was to start, he would make sense. But I don't think he's going to. Darko well, had the best game of his career last week. So I think the uh, I, I think the Ingram makes some sense. And then from the Seahawks side of the game, though, let's see if there's anybody who makes sense on their roster. I mean, uh, Wilson's at 6,400. I think Wilson to Baldwin makes some sense. Paul Richardson only at forty two hundred. I think he's okay as a value to play, but also still not really a whole lot of interest. Dominic Rogers Cromartie has been reinstated from suspension. So he's gonna play. He was suspended for four weeks and he's back now. Uh, do you have anything else to add for this game, Matt?
1: No, it's just there are a lot of games with low point totals this week and I guess we'll just reiterate there <laughs> there are not a lot of games to choose from. So I don't I don't know. This is a tough week for sure. And specifically on this game i mean it's it's just a hard game to find value
0: okay so the next game and is this the last game on the slate the uh, i think so yeah only one game left this, this one went really quick and as i'm like i don't even know if I'm gonna, i don't know if i'm gonna have any dollars in play this week there's so few players i like so let's see we have the denver broncos at the los angeles chargers is there any sharp action on this game matt and this is another game that probably figures to be low scoring
1: yeah, th- we're ending with the game with the sharpest action towards no points, and that's even more bad news for people looking for players that are going to score this week. So the total opened at 43.5. It's already been bet down to 41. The Broncos opened as one-point favorites. They're now one-point underdogs. So the indication here is that Denver's offense is getting a significant downgrade from Vegas because of how bad they looked against the Giants, and it's probably mostly justified This is probably a stay-away game, too. Um, The Chargers, I think, are seen as a high-powered offense, maybe, but they've been pretty slow-paced mostly every year. Not sure if that's completely true this year, and the sample size on pace stats is kind of too small to really go by that anyway. But either way, the the movement on the total suggests that this should be a really low-scoring game, and it's another game where it seems like it'll be really difficult to find value.
0: Yeah, I think... uh... I can't even remember how many guys it was that I really liked on the slate in total. Um, I mean, so Melvin Ingram is 7,000. As good as the Broncos' defense is, and it's one of the best uh, teams in the league against the run, I think that Melvin Gordon is actually a reasonable value play at 7,000 because I don't think he's going to get a lot of ownership. And even though there aren't going to be a lot of points scored, there it's, it's unlikely to be a shutout. And Gordon gets all of the touches in the Chargers' offense. So I think that he's still fairly likely to get a touchdown at some point. And then he's still likely to get some points because he's going to get catches. He's going to run for some yards. So like, even though he's he's he's, he's going to be inefficient this week, he's inefficient every week. So Melvin Gordon could have something like 20 carries for 50 yards and then like five catches for like 40 yards or something and maybe finds a way to get a touchdown somewhere, and that could be some value in his price at 7000 Do you think that makes any sense, Matt, or would that just be a situation you would avoid because of – how good the Broncos defense is.
1: Yeah, I'd probably avoid it because we have named a bunch of other running backs in that six to seven thousand price range who we think are decent choices. And I think they're they're probably all slightly better than Gordon. I think he's an above average pick this week. But the one place where it seems like we may be able to find a little value is in that mid price tier for running backs. So I think Gordon just kind of doesn't make the cut because we've named some guys that we probably like more than him.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um,
1: Should we reiterate where the spots are that we actually like players? Because I feel like we just spent a whole episode saying spots we don't like. And I'll I'll circle back a little bit to the Titans-Browns game, because I think that's the game where we're... That's really the only game where we're seeing sharp money on the over. So maybe just heavily stacking that game is the way to go for this week.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've really... The Titans offense, that's my favorite spot out of the game. I really like them a lot. Uh, so, I mean, Mariota... Matthews and Walker combination. I like those guys a lot. So that, that is probably where most of my exposure will be. And then I just, not really a lot of spots. I like uh, anything else that you really think stands out.
1: No. And I guess in terms of strategy, I think this is probably a GPP oriented week relative to most weeks where we have a lot of safe cash plays, because I think it's going to be a lot of stacking to find value this week and a lot of low ownership plays to find value this week. Like maybe the Sammy Watkins pick, he's obviously not a safe cash play. So I think relative to most weeks, I think it'll make more sense to play GPPs instead of cash just because there aren't really good cash cash game picks for this week. There's no one that stands out as a really good value for their price. We just ma- may have to create our own value by going with low-owned guys and stacking.
0: So that will end the podcast for NFL Week 7. We'll be back with some basketball talk tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter at G.ArenbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And we'll be back with uh, the Hoops Talk tomorrow.